We're back. Welcome to Real Lucha Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Lawrence. And I'm Miguel. And we're here to bring to you our first ever breakdown of AEW Dynamite. Well, I'm excited. Are you pumped for this? I'm pretty excited. This is something that we wanted, wanted to do, obviously. Our goals are to talk about everything that is All Elite Wrestling. And we started with being the elite, something that I don't know. I feel like maybe it just never gets an, as much attention as it deserves. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, to our knowledge, we don't. There aren't many people, if any, people out there that review being the elite, and we're just trying to, uh, you know, make it unique, give it the love that it deserves, or like giving it more love that we think it deserves. Yeah. And anyone who does it, who does, uh, shout outs to you. Awesome. Yeah. I li- I definitely like to hear uh, yeah, other people's thoughts. Yeah. Please let us thoughts. know. We'll definitely hear your. We'd love to like you know. Tune into your podcast as well. I love to talk to people in general about being the elite. So, I would, yeah, it would be pretty great to hear other people's thoughts. And so we, we started off there. We're continuing there, obviously. We're going to do – we just started doing dark episodes, really, right? I mean, yeah. we've been doing it for a while, but I think uh, yep. re- releasing that content is going to be uh, a lot closer than um, – releasing some of this this dynamite stuff and i think i told miguel when we were um thinking about doing dynamite that i think i want to concentrate really on these special episodes uh this is the new year 2021 we're in the beginning of it we're kind of going back a little bit and reviewing some maybe one or two of the ones that ended the year of 2020 and i really wanted to start off with uh, this uh, winter is coming uh, special episode of AEW Dynamite. Yeah, I believe it actually uh, it originally aired uh, November, right? End of November, day before Thanksgiving. Yeah, it. Okay. I believe so. Okay. Yeah, and uh, well, yeah, no, like just or everything about the week this... after. Possibly. Okay. But yeah, this is the the yes, this was the event where the main event was the AEW Championship match between uh, Kenny Omega and uh, John Moxley. Yeah, so that was our main event. Huge, huge main event for the title. The outcome just really kind of changes the world of uh, pro wrestling. But we're getting ahead of ourselves, right? Because what we like to do on these wrestling shows is give the people a little bit of a breakdown. I can't wait. Let's hear that breakdown. All right, and here we go. Welcome to the first ever AEW Dynamite Breakdown. That's right, we finally made it to Dynamite coverage to go with our Dark and BTE stuff. And what better show to start with than Winter is Coming. We are huge Game of Thrones marks. Let's get started and see which house can unleash their ancestral Valyrian steel sword to obtain the crown. First match of the long night is the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal where the last two wrestlers standing will face off in a one-on-one match for the AEW ring. Just when the salt of the earth thinks he has the match all wrapped up, his joy turned to ashes in his mouth as freshly squeezed eliminated Wardlow leaving MJF and Cassidy as the victors. Second match has Chris of House Jericho versus Frankie of House Kazarian. These two are no strangers to the battlefield and they are two of the most 
battle-hardened men the AEW realm has to offer and it shows here. It is the demo god who gets the victory with the Judas effect on Kaz having him pray to the old gods in the new. Third match of the long night has Brit of House Baker versus Layla of House Hirsch. This battle was won by the good doctor as she applied lockjaw forcing legit Layla to yield. Fourth match sees Ricky and Will of House Taz against two unlikely allies in Cody of House Rhodes and Darby of House Allen. My father used to say, we find our true friends on the battlefield. Darby lands the coffin drop on Ricky to take it. An all out brawl breaks out as more men of House Taz capitalize on the wounded warriors. Just when the hour was darkest for our heroes, the three-eyed raven called once more. It's oh Winter has come. Fifth match and main event of the long night is Kenny of House Omega versus John of House Moxley for the AEW world title. This battle of the bastards is hard fought. Mox starts off the match with a black hole slam and a suplex to the outside. Kenny sneaks in a Kutaro Crusher before Mox goes back on the offense with a pair of Germans, a pump handle exploder, and a release suplex. After a Topicon Hilo by Kenny, Mox gets off his paradigm shift. Mox invites Kenny a seat on the small console where an all-out slap war begins. You just got Kenny has enough of this game and meets Mox with a V-Trigger. Kenny shows some fire and blood with two snapdragons. Just as Kenny gets momentum, Mox hits another paradigm shift. He tries to follow up with a Topa Suicida, but Kenny counters with a V-Trigger. Then he gets off a Tiger Driver 98. Kenny raises his hands as an homage to his long-standing rival, Kazichki of House Okada, from their time in Essos. Kenny hits a suspended German on Mox, but then Mox has the tides turn with a paradigm shift on the outside. Just as Mox looks ready to keep his crown, Don Cows provides distraction from the battle long enough to give a weapon to Kenny in which he busts Mox's head wide open. Bam! Blood everywhere! After four skull-shattering V-triggers, Kenny applies the one-winged angel to claim victory. With Don Cows anointed, his invisible hand, Kenny of House Omega, first of his name, King of the Andals and the First Men, Protector of the Realm, third leader of the Bullet Club, fourth executive vice president of the company, first Gaijin G1 Climax winner, the cleaner of worlds, and lord of the seven kingdoms, is your new All Elite Wrestling World Champion. The King of the North! That's enough of that. Anyways, uh, yeah. So, huge show. Huge ramifications coming off of this show in particular. 
do you want to start from the beginning? Uh, yeah, so how about that opener, guys? That was a crazy uh, banger of an opener. That the You had that um, a classic battle royal for the, I guess, the, uh, I, I guess you will call it the annual battle royal for the AEW Diamond Ring. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to call it. Um, MJF, uh, he won last year's, the, the um, inaugural uh, battle royal for this Diamond Ring. And... He actually, he, uh, well, we don't know if he wins it yet again this year, but, well, if in the, you know, the, yet at this point, because it was, you know, at the end, it was him, it was between him and Orange Cassidy, right after Orange Cassidy pulled an upset and el- managed to eliminate Wardlow. I was so happy when, because I, uh, I, I originally, I had not seen The Winter's Coming, guys. So, like, for this, like, minus the, you know, the main event, like uh, these results were like you know completely new to me. So you know when I when I, we went back yesterday to watch it, I was genuinely you know sh- like you know like surprised and like in awe of it. But how how about that battle royal match? It was like full of you know night full of great uh, entertaining spots, full of great um full of great uh, sh- shows by all these wrestlers. I mean, you had, for example, the inner circle. They were playing it smart by not entering the ring right away. They probably waited like five or ten minutes before they entered the ring. And by inner circle, I, I mean uh, Sammy Guevara, MJF, and Wardlow. Uh, and as well as uh, uh, Sean Spears, but he's not part of inner circle. He's just another guy. He's a heel. He's, you know, taking the easy way out by not entering the ring right away. And then I gotta say, Matt Hardy, he had a quite of a sh- he, he had a hell of a showing in this battle royal. He had like six eliminations, I believe, like five or six eliminations. Did he really? He did have more than I would think he did. I I thought Miro had more. No, yeah, Miro did did do well. <laughs> did have a great showing in this battle royal as well. And if it wasn't for the inner inner circle ganging up on him, he might have won it. Right. I think uh two big well there's. I was telling Miguel the other day. That what we're just watching dynamite and you know multiple dynamites really, and we're I'm just telling Miguel that man, AEW just has a way where at least personally as a viewer who has my particular tastes, I just think that AEW really can shine when it has a ton of bodies in the ring, right? When it comes to those big uh, you know eight man. Eight man tags, uh, six man tags, uh, the, yeah. these battle royals, these lumberjacks—they really know how to pump up a lot of action in like, in like a like hyperdrive, right? And like this, and they do all of these big time spots and entertaining uh, spots in like rapid succession. And maybe that might be too much for some people, but I I love it. I'm like, give it to me. Yeah, no, I, I do agree. They do. A pretty amazing job at covering all the angles that go on in big matches like this, where it involves like a dozen, over a dozen wrestlers. Uh, so, but so basically, like throughout this match, you just see like you know like Matt Hardy eliminating uh, Adam. Um, Huge, yeah, Adam, and also he eliminates Miro. Then you see Miro on the other side eliminating Lee Johnson. And then he eliminates Matt himself, and then Mark Quinn as well, and Joey Janela. And then the then that's when uh, I mentioned before the inner circle they team up on Miro, and then eventually all few of them eliminate him. 
but then you see them gang up on Jungle Boy well at first but then they just have Sammy do all the work and then uh, Maxwell you know MJF elim- takes the opportunity to eliminate both Sammy and uh, Jungle Boy so that way it's just him and Wardlow you know you know he's make he's creating a smart decision you know, smart scenario for himself where he could but I guess potentially have Wardlow just let him win the match they have for the ring you know for the next dynamite episode but then you see Orange Cassidy come out of nowhere because when he eliminated Kip Sabian earlier in the match he got Kip Sabian took him out of the ring and beat the crap out of him so then Orange Cassidy came back in Wardlow tried to eliminate him uh Cassidy managed to reverse it and then he himself eliminated Wardlow. So then the final two men standing were himself and MJF. Right. I was so happy. Yeah, I'm a big Orange Cassidy fan. Yeah, I think the big takeaway from this match, because it, it's dealing with a lot of storylines. But for me, it's obviously what continues on next, what this match is for, which is the ring. So it's uh, MJF versus Orange. But then you see these other uh, smaller storylines like Matt Hardy and Private Party, right? Their relationship is um, kind of questioned in, in this uh, match, right? Matt <laughs> himself eliminates uh, Isaiah, right? So that was weird. And uh, like the feud between Kip, Miro, and Orange and the Best Friends are kind of uh, tagged on, have a lot of shine on that. So, besides all that, I think a big storyline that is being brought up is uh, Adam Page and the Dark Order. Now we're kind of seeing the beginning of like this relationship, what's happening, kind of really be- um, showing the foreshadowing of maybe Hangman's going to join the Dark Order eventually. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but we'll talk about that later on as we get closer to those future meetings between the Dark Order and Hangman Adam Page. Um, but yeah, moving on from that uh, stupendous battle royal match, how about the second match of the night between Kaz or Kazarian, Frank Kazarian and Chris Jericho? Yeah, this is a uh, this match is so cool in the sense that you look at a guy like Chris Jericho, uh, what we all thought would be a WWE lifer. And Frankie Kazarian, who was a big time part of uh, TNA, and then moved on to uh, ROH from there. Uh, just these two big time vets going at it, and uh, you know, I said it before. I think uh, more and more, Kaz is just impressing me so much. That he's slowly becoming just my favorite, in my opinion, the standout of SCU. SCU. You know, if you still count uh, Scorpio Sky as part of the 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 clique, right? The the stable because they, uh, we know they gave him his own entrance music. He's barely um, interacting with them on TV, right? Even in in BTE, we haven't seen them together at all, really. So nowadays, so it's just it's just. Really cool to see um, a singles match between these two vets that were never worked against each other, really. And they, they're vets. You know, when, you, when you've when you been around the business this long, you would think that uh, you're going to face each other multiple times, right? But it just wasn't the case. And it was really cool to see. Uh, <laughs> it was really cool <laughs> to see them finally go at it. Um, Frankie's just 
you know, his moveset is really cool. I'll just, uh, what I call basically an RVD leg drop where he goes from uh, the inside of the ring. Um, Jericho or whoever his opponent is has uh, his head poking out from the bottom of the rope to the outside of the apron and he jumps over and does a, a leg drop, right? Like, you know, I call that like an RVD leg drop. Uh, I see, you know, we see the classics like uh, the, uh, Jericho breaking out the code breaker, the lion assault. And I always call it the lion assault, which is really just called the lion salt, but that's just me. Yeah. I've no, always no, called no, it since I, I was a I, kid. I call it that too. Don't worry. <laughs> the lion you're not, assault. You're not alone. And yeah, I'm not changing. I'm not changing it. Anyway. I do like it when uh, when Kaz, he himself does the walls of Jericho on Jericho. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. You got to throw You just got to every now and then throw out your opponent's signature submission on them as well as like their signature finisher it's just cool you got to do it if you do it all the time maybe it gets a little played out but i just love doing those little i remember there was this one match between i think it was like kurt angle undertaker and the rock and i think they were just doing each other's finishers to start off the match like uh, over and over again yeah i was back in like 2002 classic yeah yeah triple threat match so uh stuff like that i i can i can get a big pop out of out of me so um. Um. <laughs> what's in line for spot top spot of the night is the flux capacitor by Frankie Kazarian to Chris Jericho off the top rope. I was really kind of trying to wonder what this move is called, right? Yeah. Miguel brought up a good point. Kind of really looked like a span uh, avalanche Spanish fly. Yeah. But maybe like with Frankie botching the the um, delivery a little bit. Yeah. So because of that quote unquote botch, I'm not even sure if it was one. It didn't look quite like the Spanish, uh, an avalanche Spanish fly. But luckily for us, you know, a great call by Excalibur. He's usually always very good with uh, introducing the names of the, of these moves that all of these uh, AEW wrestlers have. Um, he he pulled that out. Uh, the flux capacitor. So very cool, in my opinion. Definitely in line for top spot of the night. Uh, and yeah, M- MJF. The you know a big part of the storyline is MJF running out to <laughs> to throw in the towel. Like yeah, you know it's so funny. You just see uh, these matches where you throw in the towel. Uh, to my recollection, the last time that that was a big thing was in a was in uh, WWE NXT when they did a storyline like that for um, uh, a Mustache Mountain match. I believe it was against Undisputed Era, and they had to throw in the the towel. To one of the Mustache Mountain guys had to throw in the towel against uh, his buddy. So that was uh, that was pretty funny, and yeah, uh, I. I think that that was a really good way of just putting some heat on MJF, really continuing the storyline of him basically destroying the inner circle from from within. We could all tell that that's what's happening. But I'd love to point out that just because something is predictable doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do Storyline when you're introducing stuff in the storylines and uh when you're choosing what direction it's going to go in, right? Because sometimes you'll throw in a surprise and it's it's just, 
it doesn't work out it comes out of nowhere and the surprise isn't good enough for it to warrant changing your whole uh, idea just so you can throw off the audience you know it has to come at the right time and i i love it man i love mjf wardlow joining inner circle and basically destroying it from within um is it on purpose is it by accident is mjf really just trying to destroy it is he trying to take over it who knows but i think it's just a a really um cool storyline it was just it it had me laughing hilarious because literally that was all mjf was there for just trying to uh, throw in the towel and Sammy had to run in because Sam is just so loyal to Jericho uh, trying to stop him from throwing in the towel. I-, I was cracking up. It got me good. And, and yeah, uh, Jericho won that one. Of I course. mean, yeah. Also like it's too soon to know this or like, you know, too soon to make this judgment, but I wonder if what this is also a possibility where you think MJF is really actually just really infatuated Jericho and he wants to be like, without a doubt, his main boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I think we'll we'll see. So yeah. that that's something that we have to see. We have to wait and see. And yeah, I'm excited to to see where where this goes. I think I said see a lot. Anyways, we have a, a promo, right? Our first promo of the night is yep. uh, the Bucks with uh, Alex Marvez backstage. Oh, and I love this promo. This comes up with a, a this is a line of the night potential, right? <laughs> where uh, Alex Marvez asks him a question. And Nick Jackson just says, do you remember when we super kicked you? <laughs> like, like, you know, th- that was them teasing that they were going to go heel um, prior to their them winning the titles. They were kind of going on a somewhat heelish uh, streak, but not quite. They didn't make the turn quite yet. And, uh, yeah, just the fact that he's just like, hey, remember that thing? We remember we fucking super kicked you? It was hilarious. <laughs> oh, but and this- then what about... Well, when they introduce this other team, this is where we get the debut debut of the tag team, <clears throat> the acclaimed. At least on Dynamite, I'm not sure if they debuted prior in okay. uh, Dark. Yeah, but yes, this is their Dynamite debut, the acclaimed. Big things are coming for them, guys. The acclaimed, I can feel it. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Max Caster is uh, has a rapping gimmick. Yep. Right. And he was uh, dropping a diss track at the Young Bucks, uh, uh, you know, insulting their books, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they're, you know, it's, uh, killing the business. You know, I wish I had I wish I had a copy myself. So uh, I think I'm going to have to go to uh, Barnes and Noble soon to get pick me up one. And yeah, man, uh, they uh, help uh, TH2 get a run in on the Bucks. Uh they almost uh, really hurt Matt, but SCU comes in for the save. And, yeah. So, we got another promo. Uh, this is a recap of Team Taz's feud with uh, Cody and Darby. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's just telling you what you need to know, right? Powerhouse Hobbs uh, turning heel, joining uh, Team Taz. And I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Team Taz, man. It's just Miguel made a funny observation he's like is it just me or does like ricky starks just come kind of look completely out of sorts from yeah, the whole he rest just of the doesn't group. look like he belongs on team taz i mean he's not and miguel's like what's he's not like a big buff guy or a serious looking guy like either like like brian cage powerhouse hobbs or taz or later on as we'll see even hook i mean he's he's not really a big guy but he has that mean face like his dad yeah he he's not he's not tanky enough no 
Well, I mean, and Vicky Stark just seems like a wannabe like model that is like just hanging out with these buff guys <laughs> who mean business. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I definitely want to see more of Team Taz. We're gonna get a lot more of them. They're definitely a big feature of Dynamite. So we'll see where Ricky Starks really is um, in the pecking order because it, Team Taz just started as Cage, Taz, and Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks was the first guy to join uh, Taz. I would and Cage. love to see eventually Ricky Starks versus Pretty Peter Avalon in a match. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would. I think he would destroy. I think Ricky Starks would destroy him. Just, I feel like their gimmicks would be so would like go so funny together. Okay, who has the best spear in the biz? Uh, Edge, Roman Reigns, or Ricky Starks? Oh, without a doubt, uh, Ricky Starks. <laughs> oh, the, do I have to mention Goldberg? Nah, nah. No. We're not going to do that. Uh, yeah, so we get uh, just, you know, a quick little recap there. Darby Allen, Cody yeah. Rhodes yeah. versus uh, Star- Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, let's see some st- some of the stuff we get in here. Uh, that uh, springboard kind of like coffin drop. It's, I kind of I call it like the back attack. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, it's it's but that same motion of the coffin drop, but it's when um someone throw uh Irish whips Darby into the ropes and then he just uh springboards off the second rope to yeah. hit him with their back. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just you know, classic Darby, and. We get an overhead throw by Powerhouse Hobbs to Darby Allen, kind of grabbing him by his ears. That was like a big uh, thing that uh, the commenta- commentators had a lot of fun with. <laughs> uh, we had a de- devastation kick by Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, no, no, a devastation kick to Powerhouse Hobbs by Cody. Cody Cutter to ricky starks uh followed up by a topa suicida and the coffin drop you know i want to mention the cody cutter i think it's really cool what cody has done with himself since leaving the fed right he's he's really branched out on his own and he's just become a way better wrestler, like tenfold in everything, in his in-ring work, his athleticism, and especially his promos on the mic. Cody is just a big. It's kind of easy to lose. It's because they're allowing him to do his thing, unlike the Fed. Yeah, exactly. It's it's easy to lose sight of like, oh, okay, Cody is an EVP. He's gonna get big time pushes, big time uh, TV time on dynamite and whatever the you know pay-per-views that they have and uh you know it's like oh you know maybe you know you could think does he deserve it right he's he's potentially piggybacking off the bucks and and kenny right who have you know run the you know quote-unquote independent circuit more but no no he's really came into his own and has shown that he deserves to be in these big time matches main events and storylines and i'm just uh really really uh i don't know proud of him <laughs> i guess because like uh, it's I it's hard too. it's hard to I, overcome I really, it's hard to overcome yeah you know? i really want him to stay in aw and if not at the very least in the independent circuit so in ring of honor or, or like even new england 
pro wrestling, even that promotion. Because um, Cody does, I feel be- Cody's better on his own, you know, than away from the you know the big Fed business because he's he's proven that he's cut he's reinvented himself like drastically since he joined the indie scene and now he's one of the he's without a doubt one of the top guys in AEW and then out of the ring. So yeah, the whole reason why I got in, get into the spiel is just mentioning the Cody Cutter. Um, it was basically the same thing as the Oz Cutter, right? Yeah. It's just a, a springboard from the second rope after an Irish whip to into a cutter, which is great, right? It's you know it's really cool. But uh, Cody just uh, takes it to another level when he kind he's kind of changed up the Cody Cutter into evolving into uh, jumping in the corner. Uh, using the second rope as a as a step to get onto the top turnbuckle and jumping backwards into a cutter, I think that uh, you know definitely takes a lot of balance, takes a lot of uh, precision, and I I didn't see Cody do anything like that really when he was um, prior to his uh, AEW end of ROH New Japan days. Right. So um, big shout outs to him. The match is won with the coffin drop, obviously as we mentioned before, and yeah. So uh, going from there, we go to promo three is a backstage with Sheeta and Marvez. Really quick, um, uh, Sheeta's pretending she's not uh, she, <laughs> she's not shook, but she is shook, and <laughs> yeah, she's scared of uh, Abaddon. Uh, line of the night, she said uh, she's not scared of a zombie cosplayer. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> promo four, we got Moxley in a remote. He uh, he smacked the wrestling world in his face. And he's ready to uh, defend his title. Yeah, I like to smack him in the face, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wh- oh, what? And uh, from there, we got going to the main event of the evening, right? With Kenny, John Moxley, and uh, Don Callis joins the comms. Uh, we get a kind of like a black hole slam from John Moxley in this. Suplex on the outside. The signature Kutaru Crusher by Kenny. Um, two Germans. A pump handle exploder by Moxley. Uh... A just like release suplex from Moxley. See, this is, uh, I think sometimes when I like praise Cody and sometimes kind of um, not mention um, the same enthusiasm with Moxley is because I, I kind of just like in ring, I don't see too much different from his Fed run, right? Uh, his WWE run. Yeah. But um, stuff like that, like just a, a release suplex by that is like, you know, you pick up a guy in a suplex position and then you kind of throw them forward. So uh, they flip, but they kind of do a flip, not just like an imploding suplex that you would see Cody and Jeff Hardy do. Right. right it's yeah. like you kind of like kind of release the su- mid vertical suplex kind of and just uh, pull him forward. Yeah. So he kind of lands like a kind of <laughs> like a power bomb. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of like a and. Uh, you know, stuff like that is what I like to see. Something that makes you different from everyone else, not just, you know, uh, vertical suplexes, DDTs. Like, you know, we've we, we seen all that, and we like to, you know, you to spice stuff up, and that's what I'm talking about, Moxley, for sure. So uh, kudos to him uh, on some, on uh, that. And then we have um, uh, Paradigm Shift. Uh, Kenny, you know, is, is not gonna. It's not just gonna eat for the title and a main event. He's not just gonna eat one and, and be done, right? Uh, he kicks out. We get a uh, Topa Suicida from Moxley, but it's countered into a V trigger, right? Uh, Wait, yeah, don't forget to mention too. Like my spot of the night was 
when John Moxley sets up the two steel chairs in the ring, in the middle of the ring for both him and then for himself to sit in, and then he invites Kenny to sit there. Then they're just sitting like you know face to face on the ch- in the middle of the ring on two unfolded steel chairs, and they start slapping each other. And then you know, a, a pit, then it gradually turns to them punching each other. Right, right. You can't, you can't. I like that. It was really cool. Just another big storytelling spot by John Moxley. And I got to give it to him. Very cool. Very cool. I could see why that would be a top spot of yours. But we're not talking about top spots yet. We will get ta- to that very soon. Um, Kenny uh, gets Don Callis involved. And Don Callis is able to <laughs> distract John Moxley enough so that he slides Kenny the mic. Yep. Uh, and gets nailed in the process. Yep. And then four, four V-triggers and a one-winged angel later. We get a new champion. And then we see the champ. And his manager now, I guess you can call him, yep. Don Callis, running away into... With the hardcore title. Booking it. Yes. <laughs> booking it with the title. And uh, we get the now, now classic Don Callis. is like, if you want to find out what this is all about, tune in to Impact. What? Impact. <laughs> not Dynamite. Not Dark. Not AEW. But yeah, that's right. Impact Wrestling to see what's going on. Kenny makes a debut at Impact. Uh... Just like a, a, a story segment uh, in, in his own trailer, not necessarily joining in the ring, but that that's what uh, happens from there. And huge, just the the idea that AEW is working you know, with another wrestling company that closely is very cool. It's very exciting. Um, we're in, we have a lot in store to follow with that. And I think you know, uh, as the weeks go by, um, we'll we'll see where that where that leads us to. And uh, <laughs> you know, us kind of talking from the future, we already know some of the stuff that's gonna um, come from that, and we're just really excited. So um, I think it's time to talk about our top spots of the night. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my my original one. I'm gonna give it to Kaz, uh, Frankie Kazarian, SCU guys impressing me a shit ton right now, and I'm really excited to see. Uh, what else he can do, and against uh, other opponents, and I really I think this match with Jericho was a long time coming, right? Uh, not storyline wise, but in real life, uh, just two vets been doing this for a long time, uh, finally getting to meet, and uh, they, it didn't disappoint one bit in my opinion. Uh, Kazarian with the flux capacitor from the top rope, my top spot of the night. Miguel, you were mentioning your top spot of the night already. Yeah, it was one. <clears throat> Uh, John Moxley sets up the two chairs in a ring and then he invites Kenny to sit with him ac- across from him on the other chair and then they start slapping and punching each other. Right, right. Uh, uh, again, uh, really, really cool uh, storyline stuff by Moxley there. Very great visual. Um, yeah, line of the night. Do you, do you have anything for that? It was actually what you mentioned it already. Uh, it was when... <laughs> Um, that Japanese girl, what's her name? Oh, uh, Hikaru Shida. Yeah, she said she wasn't afraid of Abaddon because she wears a a zombie costume. (laughs) Uh, That was really funny, especially, like, with her accent making it sound like, you know, a little face. Like, yeah, you know, like, she has a zombie costume. (laughs) Right, right. I'm going to give mine to uh, Matt Jackson, right? I just like these... Subtle hints of uh, 
um, kind of like uh, breaking kayfabe or just like uh, shouting out like a uh, something like a uh, like a little Easter egg. Uh, we get that from the Bucks and Kenny a lot, to be honest. Uh, whether it's on Dynamite or Dark, or uh, be, uh, being the elite, especially. And uh, Nick, no, not Nick. Matt says uh, when <laughs> when uh, the acclaimed were, were done with their diss track, Matt Matt Jackson says, "Didn't someone already use this gimmick?" Like, <laughs> and, and you know, just a shout out to John yeah, Cena. Yeah, I don't right care. There. Like, I love Caster's rapping. I really do. I no 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 no. Um, it's gonna it's gonna get even better, folks. Uh, so stick in there with the acclaimed. Um, but a taunt of the night. I have one in mind. Do uh, you? Um, I got no. Uh, truthfully, not. Really. I wasn't paying attention to the taunts. Okay, so uh, sorry, well, guys. I'm really upset at you right now for that. Anyways, okay. uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, but I'll take my taunt. Like I said, subtle Easter eggs. I'm in love with them, right? And I'm gonna give mine to Kenny Omega with the Rainmaker taunt in the middle of the Moxley match. Just a slight hint of his past right what's gotten him to a lot of um uh, awards you know his acclaim right maybe a little bit of um his claim to fame right with those matches he had with okada the uh i think all of them like at least the big the important title matches they were all five or six stars right yeah and so uh him uh definitely having uh (laughs) A uh, some ties with Kazuchiki Okada and doing his Rainmaker taunt, classic man. I just love these little Easter eggs. <laughs> and if AEW is to ever work with New Japan, I'm just gonna lose my mind. Anyways, that about does it for us here in our first ever Dynamite recap. Uh, I believe that we're gonna really, like I said, we're really gonna focus on these special episodes, right? Like the basically anyone that has like a special tag, we're gonna do it, right? Yeah. And we yeah. wanna wanna really do it. Um, I think we will uh we will also start doing uh, all the dynamites of 2021 and beyond, but I think maybe um that uh remains to be seen how we're we're going to do that. I, um I don't want to promise that in particular but it, it will probably come and it, it will probably be prob- um, some exclusive content if i'm not you know just to be honest oh all right yeah. all right so uh, stay tuned uh if you like any of this you know please give a follow download it anything you know anything would be big uh we would appreciate it so much and we're just so excited excited to talk to AEW all the time so uh give me a two sweet ski too sweet until next time take it easy Lucha! Lucha.